Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapaknas. I want to welcome you to the Wapaknas podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapaknas believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapaknas is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapaknas to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknas.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. And, uh, man, there's a, there's a lot going on in the life of this church. Uh, and a lot coming up. And I, I just want to kind of direct you to a few things. One, we've been on, we've been on a reading journey all, all, all year. Because uh, we're, 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 we're trying to raise the bar in our life. And one of the ways to do that is through the Word of God. And we're just going to saturate ourselves in the Word of God. And so um, we're kind of almost right in the middle of the Bible. Um, so Second Chronicles to Job 24. Uh, so that's that's the reading journey for this month, and just challenge you to read three chapters a day for the next 31 days, or today's August, like what? I don't know. Seventh. So you're behind already. Get to it. You can do it now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I just encourage you to, to jump in wherever and, and, and jump into the Word of God. With that said, uh, there's a lot coming down the pike. Uh, life groups are starting. Um, we don't believe in, in doing a whole lot of programs. What we do believe is getting in the lives of people. And life groups is one of those ways to get in the lives of people. And uh, as we did last, last life group season, um, this life group season we're jumping into a book. Last, last one was Hope in the Dark, and this one's How's Your Soul by Judas Smith. Um, and uh, life groups start the week of the 11th, so September 11th is a Sunday. So that week, we jump into life groups. If you're looking to sign up, we just ask that you go to wapaknaz.org uh, backslash discipleship. Go ahead and sign up there. Um, books are available in the, in the lobby at seven bucks a piece. It's a little less than what we purchased them for, but we don't want that to be an obstacle to you. Uh, we really don't want that to be an obstacle to you to, to engage in this material. Um, the, one of the reasons that we're jumping into this book particularly, I... As I was going through a lot with my mom back November, October, November, December, and she passed in January, um, I felt depleted in my soul. And uh, this is one of those books that I engaged in as I was walking through that whole process. And out of this book, I just had this sense of refreshment. I was challenged, but I was also refreshed. Um, and so I thought, man, this is, this is our direction don't completely agree with everything that's said, that's okay. There's never going to be an author that we do, right? But we engage with it. So this is the book that we're going to journey through in our life group season. And if you don't feel like journeying through it with, with us as life group, um, just encourage you to endure, journey it yourself as well. Um, life groups are Monday, uh, or Sunday, Monday, and Thursday. Sunday evenings at 6, uh, Monday, or 5, I'm sorry, Sunday, Monday evenings at 6, and then Thursday mornings at at 10. Um, just looking forward to that season. Also, um, our good friend, Dennis Lee, uh, is going to engage with you 
on Wednesday nights right here uh, through the book of Revelation uh, at 6.30 p.m. So I just, I just uh, really encourage you to, to step into that, the new beginnings. Um, uh, we often think of Revelation as the end, but it's the new beginning, isn't it? It's really, really good. So just encourage you to, to step into that. that. That'll start this week. So uh, looking forward to that. So I'd ask that you open up your Bible or pull out your phone uh, that has the Bible on it because uh, I know that we're in the di- digital age, aren't we? Uh, pull out your bu- Bible, open up to Mark chapter 1. And as you're doing that, um, man, it was a few months ago that uh, Amy and I uh, had the privilege of just taking a couple days away. And we went to Columbus, and uh, we got some good barbecue, and uh, we, uh, we got to uh, hike one of our favorite things, and uh, we hiked through one of the one of the parks that we were familiar with, and and on the Dripping Rock Look Trail, it was in the quiet and the calm. We had just seen some turkeys, and I, my mind just began to meander and wander, kind of like my sermons, right? Um, and kind of like your mind during my sermons. And uh, I had I had come upon a thought. Uh, a memory that I, I hadn't thought about in years. I don't even think I even thought about it. It was about the kids' menus from the restaurants when I was a kid, right? Like I said, my mind meanders and wanders. And I, I started thinking through, you know, if, if you were young today, uh, if you're a teenager, if you were if you were born after I, I would say 1990, this wasn't this wasn't. I mean, they still have them, but it was it was back in the 80s when when restaurants started to market to kids because Reagan, Ronald Reagan lifted that regulation. They de- deregulated all advertising to to kids, and so that's when the the advertisement boom was happening. And so it was not very often that the Ambrose family would go out to eat, but when we would go out to eat they would set these kids' menus at your table with crayons. Pretty much to keep you occupied so you don't yell and scream and all those things. But on the kids' menus, they had not only what you could order, but they had all kinds of like games. So they had puzzles. They had those pictures where there were hidden figures that you had to find them. You had word searches. And then they had the god-awful maze. Right? Wrong. No. I was terrible at the maze. Terrible. My crayon, well, I mean, it looked a lot like this. So I would attempt these mazes and I would go all types of directions trying to find from the beginning to the end. And then at one point, I don't know if I heard somebody do it or I saw someone do it. I definitely know it wasn't from me because I'm not that smart. But somebody said start at the end. And you could solve the maze. I'm a little kid. What do I know? So I thought I'm going to attempt to start at the end to go to the beginning. Because the end should have the answer, right? So, I start at the end with the crayon. And I eventually figured it out. I was so amazed at this brilliance to start the maze 
at the end. Back to the trail. I'm an adult thinking about kids' menus and mazes and starting at the end. Why well, I wondered, why with such a brilliant approach to a child's maze on a menu of starting from the end, why wouldn't we live our life with the end in mind? You know, as a, as a perfectionist, what I started to do was, instead of using my crayon, I used my finger. And I figured out the direction, because I didn't want all the squiggly lines going everywhere. I wanted it to make, look, make it look like I got this answer correctly the first time. So I eventually figured out and traced with my finger, and then I would do the crown. Why do we not live our life with the end in mind? Why do we live life so inundated by all these overwhelming things that come at us all at the same time? And then at the end of the day, we feel like we have spun our wheels. We haven't gone anywhere. We haven't resolved anything. And we're still the emotional mess that we were when we first started out the day. But if we start with the end in mind, I think maybe we'll understand our direction even in the day. So I, on this trail, I'm wondering, okay, if this is a brilliant approach to life, is there any precedent and the one who is the greatest of all of human history. Is there a precedent in the life and the way that Jesus lived his life for this thought, this idea of starting with the end in mind? So I began to search. Where do I search? Where do we find this? Well, it kind of makes sense to start at the beginning, doesn't it? So let's start at the beginning. You're in Mark chapter 1. And Mark starts the story of Jesus' life, um, not at his birth, like Matthew does or Luke does, or like the pre-existence that, that John starts the story. Mark actually jumps into the river that Jesus is in, in the Jordan. He starts with his baptism, and then we, we jump right into his ministry. And so, right here in Mark chapter 1, it's where we're going to start. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. We're going to start with this scripture. Right at the beginning of of his ministry. And it says this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companion, companions went to look for him. His companions would be Andrew, James, and John at this time. There may be a few more. We're really not sure at this point, but it's at least those four. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you! And Jesus replied, so thoughtfully, Let us go somewhere else! 
I love it. To the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So we traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Heavenly Father, for the next few minutes, may we be engaged, not with me, but with you. May we be engaged with the Word of God and with your Spirit and just invite you to do some, some things that we can't do ourselves in our soul and in our mind and in our life. Help us start with the end of life. In your name, Jesus, we ask. Amen. So, Mark gives us this, this time stamp of this story. This is very early in the morning when it was still dark. You know, when third shift is still working and first shift is still sleeping and kind of like when my wife is just about, about ready to get up. That's very early in the morning. But see, if we look at the story just before this, there's another time stamp. The evening before, right at sunset, people were coming from all over the city. And this is Capernaum. Coming all over from, from the village of Capernaum. People who were sick and who were demon-possessed, they were coming and crowding around the house of Simon, Peter, and Andrew. And in fact, people were bringing sick, and people were bringing people that were demon-possessed, and people were bringing people. So much so that there was a huge crowd at the house. And Jesus healed many of these people and cast out demons. And so very early in the morning while it was still dark is, comes very early in the morning when you have a late night. None of us understand that, do we? Not at all. But what we find here that Mark kind of illuminates for us is that very early while it was still dark, Jesus got up got his coffee and his Bible and went out on the deck and had his devotion time. No, no. That's what I was doing when I was writing the sermon. Having my coffee out on the deck, right? Writing the sermon. No, Jesus didn't, didn't just have his, he didn't have his coffee. He actually went to a solitary place. By himself. Alone. And prayed. He opened his soul, opened his heart, and engaged with the creator of all the universe, with the Father. He listened, he had conversation, he was vulnerable, he got re-energized, reinvigorated, given wisdom. Then as the rays of the dawn started to shine on him, people started to gather. My guess, a lot of the same people that gathered the night before, who Jesus probably said, we'll meet again some other time. I don't know. I'm assuming that. But they started to gather, and they started to ask a question. Now, we don't have this question in the Scripture, but we find out that they were probably asking this question. Where is Jesus? Because when Peter finds Jesus in this solitary place, he says, everyone's looking for you. kind of makes sense that people were going, where is he? A couple things that we need to just pull out before we get into the, to the meat of the, the lesson today. 
is that Jesus, now I'm not an early bird by any means. And I'm fairly certain that there are a lot of us in here that are not early birds like my wife. My wife is up sometimes at 5, sometimes at 4.30 like she was today because of the train was going through town roaring on his horn all morning. Did anybody hear that one? Yep, right? <laughs> Jeez. I think he was having a good old time coming through Walpaw. But I, I find that there are evidence of my wife and what she does almost every day. I find her Bible somewhere in the house that it's moved and it's open. Or sometimes she leaves it right by the, the door out by our fire escape. I know that she engages in the scripture with God and she prays early in the morning. What we find here with Jesus, whether you're an early morning or you're, you're a late nighter or you're somewhere in between, I think the point is really, really important that we need to understand is that Jesus engages with prayer before he does his business. It's not business then prayer. This is a reminder for me, and hopefully it's a reminder for all of us, that he engages in the conversation with his Father before he engages in the business of the day. Now, however you need to do that, matters not whether it's 4 in the morning or 8 in the morning or 10 in the morning or noon. For those of you that are retired and college students. But he engages with the Father before the business, not the other way around. It's a lesson that we have to pull out of this. But we also learn that because he engaged with the Father before he did the business, he was able to discern what to do during the business. Peter comes and says, Hey, everyone's looking for you. Everyone's looking for you. Jesus, I need a piece of you. You ever feel like that? That people want a piece of you? And not just one person, but a lot of people? And when you look in the mirror, you go, I don't have any pieces left. Where did they go? I don't know. Everyone's looking for you, Jesus. Meaning, there's a lot of people that are in need of you right now. They want you to do what they want you to do for them. Now that's, that's life, isn't it? That's the pace of life. When you are a human being, which I'm pretty sure, looking around here, I don't see any AI out here. So I'm pretty sure all of you are human beings. When you are a human being and you're engaging with people, pieces of you go to other people and pieces of people come to you. And sometimes we just feel like a lot of us just has been taken away from us. You would think Jesus, the Son of God, the healer of all of humanity, right? You would think that he would go, sure, where are they at? 
what Jesus says next is a head-scratcher. And my guess it's it's a head-scratcher to Peter and Andrew and James and John and whoever the else, other guys that are with him. But it was a head-scratcher to me for the longest time. Jesus doesn't say, sure, where are they? Bring them here or let me go and find them. No. Jesus says, let's go somewhere else. Wait a second. Isn't he supposed to be the healer? Isn't he supposed to provide everybody's needs? Isn't he the one that's supposed to bring completeness to people? Why is he saying, let's go somewhere else? Let's go somewhere else. I can see the Twitter firestorm now. Crowd of people gathered in Capernaum. Severe needs. Looking for Jesus. Nowhere to be found. They later find out he left them. Hashtag unbelievable. Hashtag not Christ-like. Hashtag unchristian. Hashtag I'm going to find another church and go somewhere else. Hmm. Hmm. Jesus goes somewhere else. Now my guess is, and my bet is, with all the money in my pockets, we'll just, we'll just lay it on the line, won't we? My guess is that Jesus, had he not prayed, I mean, he is the Son of God, he's the wisest of all humanity, but there's a link here. There's a link that Mark's trying to make here. He prayed, the business of the day was coming right at him. Had he not prayed, if we remove that component out of the story, I'm wondering if Jesus would have just gone to the crowd and done what they wanted him to do. But we have the component, and we can't ignore it, can we? It's really hard to ignore this. That he prayed, and then he did the business of the day. That granted him wisdom and understanding of how to approach the business of the day. But he follows it up with, with a statement. He says, let us, let's, let us go somewhere else to nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Sometimes, not always, sometimes, the people's needs are second to the mission. Do you have toes left? Sometimes the people's needs are second to the mission. Let's think about this for a second. All the needs coming at Jesus, but he has a mission in mind. And it's not just located in Capernaum. It's all throughout the region. All the northern portion, and eventually goes south. Sometimes the people's needs are second to the mission. And he understood that. Why? Because in the morning, he prayed before the business. He didn't let the business happen. Then he prayed. 
He was able to negotiate the business of the day because he prayed. Because he opened his heart and allowed the Lord to lead his soul and direct his mind. Now, like I said, sometimes, well, when do we know that people's needs come before the mission? That's why we got to pray. Because it is through prayer that we get discernment and wisdom and understanding of the dead. Right? So, sometimes all the needs around are second to the mission in front of you. What mission's in front of your life? Do you have a mission? Does your life have a mission? If you could just rattle it off, what is it? My, about a year ago, I pulled out my wife's iPad. For some reason, I don't know. Maybe it was guitar chords or I was look, looking for something on Amazon, but I hit the button and there comes her screen. And on her screen, there was something new because usually there's like pictures of mountains like, like my, 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 uh, my book or my, my uh, I, I don't have an iPad my computer I have mountain pictures and hiking stuff and like I like to I like to think about those are my places of peace but there was something that was like it pulled up and I was like what is this? so I read it I think I have it up here yes it was this statement with a picture of coffee and chocolate her statement said, glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's been entrusted to us and to have a positive influence on all that come in contact with our store. And I was like, wait a second. My wife, my wife crafted a mission statement for our store, particularly for herself. And she put it on her iPad so that every time that she hits that button and the screen comes up where you push the numbers so you can actually get into your iPad, she sees this statement every time. To glorify God and be a faithful steward of all that's been entrusted. I thought, that's, that's the mission. That's the mission in mind. That's the goal. That's her life. With the end in mind, the mission's always in mind, isn't it? How does this play out with Jesus? Well, if we start in the front, if we start with the end, and we see that with Jesus in the beginning, does it play out through the rest of his life? Well, it does. We find this in several different places throughout the gospel. Jesus keeps the, the mission in mind. He keeps the end in mind. He says, For the son, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and be a ransom, and give His life as a ransom to many. Mark chapter 10, 45. And he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that what was lost. That comes right out of the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19. A wee little man. And he sums it up there. He, he restates his mission. He says, For this... For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. 
Jesus constantly keeps his mission in front of him and actually speaks it out to people who are around him. Even when you look at the front end at his birth story, in the very beginning of his life, you know those stories of, of the angel coming to Mary? You're going to name him Jesus. The angel came to Joseph. You name him Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. His mission, in the end, all in mind, all the time. All the time. So back to the kids' menu. 1980s, a frustrated little Stephen with the crayon going everywhere because he can't figure it out. This doesn't make sense. And I hate that I'm outside the lines because I'm a perfectionist. Oh, the light bulb. Let's start with the end in mind. Oh, this. Hey, there it is. There it is. Starting with the end in mind helps us focus our life. It was 2005. I was dating a young lady and I was meeting her parents for the first time. I was really nervous. It wasn't my wife, by the way. This was B.A. before Amy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we stayed at her parents' place and woke up the next morning having my breakfast at their table. And her dad came out and had his coffee cup in his hand. And see, he was an engineer for Boeing. And I was not. I'm still not the, an intellectual guy that most people are um, and so he he asked me the question what's your five year plan and then he took his coffee cup up and drank coffee and just kind of one of those like strategic moments of like now you're going to answer because I'm not going to talk I want, I want you to answer and I'm a kid of 28 Grandpa would call me a kid. I was a kid of 28. And I said, I don't know. I just know I'm supposed to speak to people. That didn't go over well with an engineer, by the way. He was a master at planning and understanding things, right? Why is it that we think the purpose of our life is what we do? Because that had a whole lot of what are you going to do with your life on the inside of that question. It was stacked, the cards were stacked against me in that question. Why is it? It's all about what we do rather than who we become. So if we're supposed to start with the end of mind, and it really matters more about who we become 
here's the question. If you look 10, 20, 30, 50, how old are you guys? Like teenagers? 70 years? 70 years from now. Who is it that you want to become? Some of you are there, but you're still not dead yet. You still have breath in your lungs, right? Who do you want to become? God's still molding and shaping your heart. Who do you want to become? Who do you want to be known as? How do you want to engage with people? So how does this work? If we start at the end and we trace the line of, this is who I want to become. I want to become a man of God. I want to be known as a man of God or a woman of God. I want to be known as someone who is pure. I want to be known as someone who is is honest and has integrity. I want to be known as someone who is kind and loving. How do we trace, use our index finger with the maze and trace ourselves all the way back to this moment right here today? Start with the end in mind. When Jesus started with the end in mind, that enabled him to understand the decisions that he had to make in this moment as he was looking ahead. We clearly have a picture of him making a decision that had the end in mind. Not the temporary, not what everybody thought was urgent, purposeful and intentional looking ahead he said let's go somewhere else some of us that want to be a man and God, a, a, a woman of God or a man of God in 20 years and 30 years right now you have to go somewhere else than where you are I don't go to the bar I don't go with that individual. I don't go with those people. I don't do that anymore. Go somewhere else. You've got to make the choices. If you understand the end in mind, it helps you pre-decide some of the things that are really hard and are dilemmas in your life now. If I'm going to be a missionary, if I'm going to serve somebody, on down. Guess what? I need to start doing that now, today. Trace the maze back to your beginning right here today. So, what we do with this, a couple things I just... The end of mind keeps the mission in mind. So, a couple things I just... Simple, simple things. Just pull out of this text. One, define today the who you want to become. Define today the who you want to become. Define it. Write it down. 
Pull out your phone. If you got your phone, where's mine? Right here. All of us have one, maybe. Fern, you found yours. Thank God. Right? Dropped out of your pocket. Somebody was kind. They said, I want to become a kind person. How do I become a kind person today? I found a phone. I'm going to return it. Right? Define who you want to become. You got a note section in your phone. Whether you're an Android or you have an Apple, you have a note section. Open your phone. Create a folder. It says, who, who do I want to become? What does my future self look like? On the inside. Not on the outside, on the inside. Remember, it's not what you do. It's who you are. Who you are determines what you do. And lastly, or secondly, write down a statement. If it worked for Jesus, the Son of God, it might work for us. It really might work for us. Write down a statement of purpose and intention of your life. A personal statement. For us, we heard it at the beginning of the service. We are loved people loving people to Jesus. That is our mission. That is our purpose. That is why we exist on the corner of Court and Benton Street right here in Wapakoneta is to love people to Jesus. Any organization can love people. Any organization can provide needs for people. But you know what? We're going to love people to Jesus. That is who we are. That is our vision. That is our mission. That filters everything we do. What are you filtering your life through? I had to personally come up with my own out of my I am statements. And you've probably heard me say this before. I'm a God pleaser. Pleasing God with all that I do. Knowing pleasing God <laughs> may not be pleasing to others or myself. I don't like that statement. <laughs> I, like, I, I like comfort. But also that, that I'm a world changer. By influencing my world, guess what? You're my world. You're my world. Guess where else my world is? Wapakoneta. Guess where else my world is? Wherever I go. Wherever I go. Influencing my world one person at a time. The end in mind keeps the mission in mind. The end in mind keeps the mission in mind. What's your mission? What's your vision? Your life. God has entrusted to you your breath, your skill set, your vocation, your kids, your family, the people that come in and out of your life. He's entrusted them to you. What are you going to do with that? So, there's your challenge. For those of you that are in this room and those of you that are listening online, we welcome you, by the way. A little late on that, sorry. But for all of us, determine your future you. 
define it. That will help you and guide you in the decisions that you make on the daily. Lay out your purpose and your intention for your life. God will give that to you. And quite frankly, if you're not a believer in God, you can do these things too. Even if you don't know God, if you put these two things down, the world will definitely be a better place for you trying to achieve that. Really will. The people around you will benefit, and so will you. But, if you're not a believer, I dare say that you probably haven't started with the end in mind. Because all of us will come to an end. The breath will leave your body. People will be gathered in your name. going to gather in your name and they're going to grieve the loss of you in the absence of you from their life. And you are going to be in one of two places. Jesus invites you to be with him. For God is the love of the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus started with the end in mind because he had your end in mind. When he said, it is finished. The ironic thing is, when he said it's finished, Just. So today, those of you listening online and those of you here, have you had your end in mind yet? Once you take that last breath, where will you be? I suggest you start today at the end of mind. And you allow Jesus Christ to give you a new beginning. Please stand. Just bow your heads. If that's you, that you don't believe in God, that something's happened in your heart since you started listening to this moment and engaging with these people, hearing the Word of God, and you want a new beginning you've come to the conclusion that Jesus has something greater for me than what I have for myself that's you I ask you to just raise your hand those of you that raised your hand, I just invite you into Him. Very simple. Just ask that you say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. 
I need a new beginning today. I need that grace that Sandy was talking about. I need you. I want to have a, a new ending as well. Jesus, I give you my life. For those of you that are in the room listening, you've just been pulled in a thousand different directions and many pieces of you have been taken and given and you just have felt very, very empty and you really don't know how to discern the next step. If that's you, Lord, I pray over them that you grant them wisdom. That they find their wholeness and their completeness in you. Give them discernment of what's important, what that mission is. For those of us that just are running the rat race, trying to keep up with everybody, and we're stuck in, in what the world deems as success. challenge you right now to ask and invite the Lord to show you who you, He wants you to become in Him. Jesus, I love you and I thank you. I thank you that you can radically transform a human heart. Laws can't legislate the human heart, but the human heart can make laws completely unnecessary. And it's because of your grace and because of your spirit. Will you empower your church, your followers, your disciples? Will you empower us? And will you focus in our hearts to be more concerned about who we are and who we become? than anything else. What we will do will fade away. But who we are is truly what impacts people. What makes a difference in the world. I thank you that you had us in mind, Jesus. I thank you you had a vision and you stuck to it. Even when you were being pulled in a thousand different directions stuck to it. And I thank you that it was fulfilled on the cross and that you rose from the dead. Jesus, may your hand be on our people and may they go out and be light and salt in a world that needs them. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Hey, if you if you decide, uh, this is for everybody online and here, if you decide you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pen, I'm going to craft, I'm going to create my personal statement. It'll take some time. If you decide to do that, whenever you get it done, will you, will you send it to me, please? Like, I know I've extended this, these types of things in the past, but nobody's ever taken it up. I'm asking that you take this up. And will, will you send it to me? 
that will help me pray over you, pray for you and the people around you. And uh, I love you. I'm excited for you. And I'm excited for the people that you will impact through your life. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please love your neighbor as yourself. Love you guys. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Wapaknaz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you. And that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.